Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that are centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Millers. I am Tofu the stir-fry revelation who goes by the name of Roy Field Brown. Alongside me, we have the soya milk that is... Philippa Hall. And the last part of the nutritional yeast, folks, the secret of good vegan lasagna is you, folks. Our lovely, lovely, lovely listeners. These are Stumpy Dumpies from Jeff. And, uh, sorry, folks, but um, I love you. I love you, Jeff, but we need to retire you. We need to resign you to the dustbin of all good dumby dummers who do dumby dums that have had their had their shift because we need a new one folks so please send us in a new dumby dum now on this week's episode we hear views from bernadette hawks lulum uh, with a spoon cheryl mia jane and glenn but first it's amber's week that was ambridge hello dumpty dum i'm amber and on this week in ambridge Harrison has been offered the part of Jesus in the mysteries. Ah yes, perfectly fitting for the role. Both selfless, wonderful listeners, and adored by the provincial elderly in an obsessive fashion. Philip has pled guilty. If anything, this means less script faff with a trial. Eddie is back on the espionage, as he agrees to infiltrate the Darrington Drama Society. Let's hope he doesn't go native. Ian and Adam are back, and in a grasp at relatability, are struggling with money. Not struggling so much, however, for Adam to pass up an opportunity to huffily reject Brian's offer of assistance. 
And that was the week in Ambridge. As always, pithy, short and on the nose Amber. Hello, Philippa. How are you? I am very well indeed. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I hear you've got a new car. A new 4x4 to get you through the moat <laughs> around your stately home. Oh, my goodness. I could... no, let... OK, let's just put this in, into perspective here. Before mm-hmm. that, I had a little yellow car that was my midlife crisis. And now I've moved on from that well, to my kind of sports car. <laughs> Free... No, no. No, but what I didn't realise is that everyone else who has the same type of car waves at each other. This was a revelation for me. Anyway, no, now I've got a grown-up car, so I can actually get up the hill to our house, which does not have a moat, thank you. But schools schools are back. Very exciting. Time to celebrate, I think. What have you been up to this week? Trying to edit dum-de-dums and trying to retrieve bits of audio and not really succeeding. But by the time you've heard this, folks, you would have got a shortened, condensed dum-de-dum about five days late. I think, Miss Philippa, we should maybe crack on, have some jolly japes in between some caller interaction. What do you reckon? Sounds fantastic to me. Hello, Ambridge 3962. First off, it's the upper, lower, east, west side. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. So, in a week where we learn to hate Jade even more than following her pasta-snorting episode, I want to talk about Brian, who's on my crap list right now. As Royfield and many of us have expected, we are entering the long story arc of the battle for home farm between Rory and Adam. Based on one suggestion, Brian declared his son a farming prodigy and pretty much anointed Rory as his successor, while constantly putting down the older and experienced Adam. It seems very biblical to me. I know that most of us react with dread upon hearing Adam's sonorous voice, and he's a bore and cheated on Ian. Hey, there's something he has in common with Brian. Also, we've seen that Adam has a temper and is not very emotionally intelligent. He doesn't know how to diplomatically smooth over conflicts. Nonetheless, he's a decent chap, has worked hard on home farm for many years, but Adam is not Brian's son and thus has always had stepchild status, something he's never been able to overcome like Debbie has. And the elephant in the room is that Adam is gay. And I don't think Brian has ever overcome his homophobia, which we've seen manifest from time to time. So where will the story of step-sibling conflict go? One fly in the ointment is that Rory doesn't bear Adam any ill will and vice versa. And of course, Rory has announced to Ben and to us his fluid sexuality. Using another fly metaphor, I'd like to be the one on the wall when Brian does find out. Talk to you soon. Oh, yes, with the spoon, quite. I mean, we've got the long story arc of Brian handing on the farm. We've got Adam with his stepchild status. And yes, is Brian still homophobic? And how with the spoon would like to be a fly on the wall uh, when Brian finds out about Rory's fluid sexuality? Yeah, good points. I would feel sorry for Adam if he was brighter, but This week, it just felt like he was the pantomime villain. I had to stop myself from hissing and booing at him when he he was speaking. We can manage perfectly well without your help. Oh, my goodness. 
Royfield, what's your view? Adam, bad or sad? I think Adam is more sad than bad. We had good side of Adam where Ian is worrying about money and he very thoughtfully got some money uh, from his savings and just sorted out a bill. So he's not all bad. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, he I was looking know. after his family. However, he's incredibly brittle when it comes to his position on the farm. He always has been. He was completely worried about Debbie when he first came back from Africa and Debbie's position on the farm, even though Debbie wasn't physically there and the fact that Brian deferred to her. He always feels like he's being ignored, overlooked with decisions, even though he's actually running the farm. To be fair to him, to be fair, Mm. um, Brian is not the easiest person to work with. (laughs) And even though Brian has supposedly moved into the background somewhat, he hasn't. So he does have legitimate beef. However, as Witherspoon said in his call, he's not diplomatic. And the very fact that this idea, which on the face of it seems like a good one, I am no farmer. Are you a farmer? No, I am not, but so, I know farmers, okay, but I am so, not. Right, so neither of us are farmers. So we know we know not of what we are about to speak. But it seemed to me like a bloody good idea. <laughs> what he said. It's like he did some lateral thinking, Some was obviously <laughs> bamboozled the pair of them as to how smart his idea was. But as far as Adam's concerned, it <laughs> jeopardises his position because somebody else has come up with a smart idea, let alone the fact, as Witherspoon has said, that it, this is um, Brian's biological son. So there, there's extra poignancy to uh, the smart idea. And now that Rory has come of age, come of majority and can sit on the board. Yeah, I'm interested in what you were saying about uh, when Adam had paid off the electricity bill. I don't know. I got very concerned about that. He was he sounded a little bit evasive about how he'd been able to pay it off and had he has he got a secret running away fund that's or is he storing up credit as well? I I don't know. A credit card. I think there's more going on there and we've just been given a little tidbit and more will be revealed. Well, it sounded suspicious to me. It sounded suspicious that he has a savings account. No, that he, oh, uh, suddenly just found this few thousand pounds. If he had had it and knew about it and wanted to share it with Ian, I think he would have said when Ian said, oh, how are we going to pay this bill? And Ian was clearly worried. He could have said, oh, don't worry, I've got the savings. You know, I, I can get that sorted. But he didn't say that. So I think there's something up. Maybe he's sold the child. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought that was there just to show us the dynamics of their family in terms of they can deal with problems. Because also within that scene, there was the whole thing about Xander, Xander go, uh, <laughs> going, going to the nursery. So I yeah. just thought that was there just to show us here we are, here, here is a family, we are dealing with stuff on numerous levels and... Uh, and it was purely a domestic um, situation which had played out in our ears. That's what I thought. I didn't think there's anything else more malevolent we're supposed to read into it than that. Oh, I'm right. We're going to disagree on this. Yes, I think they, they're building up for something because... Again, Ian was worried about the cost of, of the nursery, unless it was just highlighting the, the difference in their financial circumstances. Um, but uh, yes, oh, I think there's, there's bad times ahead. She rubs her hands in glee. I don't know about bad times ahead, worse than the COVID mess that we're all in right now. What kind of <laughs> future are you planning for us? 
<laughs> not that dystopian. No, bad times ahead for Adam and Ian. I think something's up there. Mm, I don't know. I, I honestly thought this was to do with kind of COVID um, foreshadowing, you know, because Ian talked about being worried about his job at Grey Gables, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, you know, obviously we know that if he really was at Grey Gables, it, it, you know, he'd be sat at home right now. Either way, he has every right to be worried about the future of hospitality. Mm. And as Adam said in that scene, uh, he says, oh, you know, it's going to be fine. It's going to be the roaring 20s when everything opens up again. Yeah, that's mm. if you open up again, <laughs> you know. Yes. So I, I thought really it was all around that and Ian being legitimately worried um, about finance. But you know what? You could well be right. You know, I'm definitely the glasses half full type of bloke. You're obviously uh, a doom and gloom merchant <laughs> in your new 4 by 4 Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. No, I just, Adam's voice just seemed to be even more down and depressed this time. So I, I just feel that that's going somewhere, but I could be wrong. I'll, I'd be happy to be wrong. When is Adam's voice ever up? It's, all, it's always <laughs> up. After saying that, though, sorry, there was the scene where... Adam goes round to Alice's. Yes. And he sounded like he was having fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that I did know. seem a little forced. <laughs> We've never heard that from Adam before, so we just didn't know how to cope with it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was somewhat unsettling. But anyway, he's <laughs> someone who doesn't ever unsettle me. It's Glyn Fuller Love. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. On location, as usual, the location this week is the bridge over the river. And given that uh, the village for the archers is named after a bridge over a river, that seems a perfect location. More of that on the Facebook page, as always. Uh, so, last week's archers uh, felt like we were in a bit of a transition phase. Uh, we heard that Philip is going to plead guilty, but then nothing more on that. And then we got a lot about the mystery plays. The main mystery for me is whether Sabrina Thwaite is going to turn out to be a spy for the Darrington production, <laughs> and whether Susan is going to defect to the Darrington production. And uh, oh, otherwise, it's all a bit tedious. Um, uh, oh, Jade, Jim, Jazza, oh God, um, just goes on and on, doesn't it? And then we had Adam and Ian. Are they having some money worries? Or did Adam really discover several thousand pounds in a savings account? Seems a bit unlikely to me. Hmm, more to come there, we can hope. Um, yes, and then... Brian, Rory and Adam, and the sheep. Well, what doesn't make sense to me is if the sheep business is marginal for Brookfield at the moment, it might make a lot of sense for Home Farm to rent Brookfield for land, but surely it will just make Brookfield's sheep operation even more marginal. But there again, I think, as I said last week, uh, Brookfield... Uh, don't seem to have the greatest skills when it comes to running a business, so um, maybe it all does make sense. Anyway, that's all for me for this week. Thank you for the podcast. Um, 
Best wishes to everybody in Dumpty Dum Land and stay safe. Bye for now. Oh, Glyn, yes. Love the location photographs. Brilliant. Um, and a transition week, perhaps. Is, is Sabrina a spy? Love that. Will Susan deflect? Yes. And you see, Royfield, how did Adam get the money? I appreciate Lynn um, mentioning that. And will Brookflart realise it's a it's a non-starter with, with the sheep? You call him Brookflart. I did not. I said Brookfield. You were about to say Brookfart. You were. Listen, don't judge me by your own actions. Thank you very much. Uh, that, if ever um, a label uh, for Brookfield should have come out of anybody's mouth, that should have been a Peter Fickling line, you know, because <laughs> he doesn't like those Brookers lot at all. But I'll tell well, you one thing, though. You know, we talked yes. about Sabrina being a spy or Eddie's going to spoil this nonsense, right? Yeah. So one of the things which I miss about the Cold War is a, is a good defection. It, doesn't that just wrap you with a certain kind of warmth about the, the 60s, the 70s and the 80s? I grew up as a child of the 1970s and, and the 80s. There's always a little defection once a month. Somebody <laughs> defected to the Soviet Union or somebody defected <laughs> from the Soviet Union to the West. It doesn't happen anymore. I'm just saying. Good old days of missing that? Yeah. I, I hadn't even thought about it until he said the word defection. And I was like, oh. Could you argue that there, that is happening in the royal family? Getting a bit uh, topical? Mm. Anyway, well, but I do think I would, do want to talk about the Brookfield business, as mm. Glyn has mentioned, because in my mind, with farming, it's always about diversifying, not focusing solely on one type of crop or one type of animal that you're rearing, but just to diversify because things change. And mm. yet again the lot at Brookfield are looking to specialise in in one area. And it just, it makes no sense to me. So I can understand what Glyn's saying about, you know, how is that actually going to work? But long term, it it could save them. Mm. Any thoughts? King, just like Glyn, really, you're taking this to a whole nother level. You know me, I switch on my metaphorical radio, the archers comes out of it. And then I kind of switch it off. And then I have to do dum-de-dum. And then I have to think about, did I actually have any real thoughts about what I'd heard last week? (laughs) Now, you're delving into this in a whole different level about (laughs) diversification, you know, farms and not having just one crop, which is, I believe, called a cash crop, right? You know, and this is a whole level of thought, which I've never put into the business of, Brookfield, Home Farm, Bridge Farm, et al. And I refuse to start now after seven years of doing the podcast. <laughs> no, come on, let's let's do this. Let's dig deep. And uh, yes, let's talk about diversification. You'd love I, that, Royfield. I, I tell you, the one thing I would say, though, is that um, if I understand farming at all, and fundamentally I don't, right, and I mean that with all seriousness, but farming has got to be inherently a conservative business it's you have the custodianship mm. of the land and then yes there are trends in and different demands that the populace will want for foodstuffs but fundamentally from one year to the next it's glacial change and i appreciate that we've now left the european union so um we have to look Farmers have to look a little bit forward to when subsidies might go and, you know, new market tariffs, etc. I understand all of that. But 
I'm always surprised whenever the Brookers lot have a new wheeze. Every year mm. they have two or three new wheezes. I'm thinking, <laughs> yes. aren't there a lot of wheezes you're having here? Yeah. It's like, surely, yes. it's not as if you're some social media company that have got a spin on a dime every week and have a mm. new idea of a way of capturing extra followers and stuff. Mm. You're running primarily, fundamentally, a conservative business. So your mm. core business never really changes from one year to the next, admittedly. At the margins, it has to. But it always seems like Ruth is proposing to David some paradigm shift. But <laughs> as I said, I switch on my radio, the archers comes out of it, then I switch off my brain, then you go, oi, let's do a dum-de-dum. And I go, right, I'm forced to think about the archers again. <laughs> well, from the, the my limited knowledge on the, the, the dairy side of farms, Mm. Milk, selling milk is really hard, especially keeping friends with the different supermarkets to keep the contracts with them. And they keep coming up with increasing rules and regulations about how you have to look after the cattle and what you have to do. And they can very quickly alter the price that they will buy the milk from you. So they are taking, I think, as a non-farmer, massive risks. And I can't believe I'm I'm with David at at this point. So I hope he can keep his sheep. And then Ruth and Pip are proved wrong and David can crow and bring the sheep back on the farm. <laughs> right. Well, none of that last bit of what you said made any sense to me. Because Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, okay. I understand that, you know, milk is a very marginal business. I do understand that. But it's like you're a country girl, so you understand all this. Ask me about the flyover in Perry Bar, uh, which has been there for fifty years being knocked down. And the, the anger of the populace at Perry Bar. And I understand that. Give me concrete tarmac, flyovers, <laughs> underpasses, ring roads. I understand that. Yes. Milk. Dunno. Dunno. Okay. You you in on that. The inner city of Birmingham and trying to navigate my way around that is something I will never be able to fathom and and you can. So I'll hand that to you. Well I'll tell you what, after we hear from Cheryl, I'll tell you all about it, shall I? Ooh. Hi, Royfield and Philippa. It's Cheryl here calling from my favourite bench on my walk here in Cornwall. How awful is Jade? Just the worst sort of person in that she wants to be accepted entirely for who she is but won't accept Jim and Alistair for who they are just very chippy very insecure as soon as Jazza gets rid of her the better we want him back with Tracy also thinking about the compare and contrast script writers have been doing in the last couple of weeks between uh, the setup at Brookfield and that uh, at home farm and obviously Brian's bringing Rory into the family decision-making process and they're sort of being presented as quite a a functional uh, family decision-making unit compared to Brookfield where Pip and and Ruth just undermine David. And you just think, when's David going to wake up and realise that if he set up a similar sort of thing uh, at Brookfield as they have at Home Farm and, and obviously somewhat dysfunctionally bridge farm that he might have a bit more support uh, from his two sons and they might actually outnumber Pip and Ruth in, in their decisions and actually might build a bit of a relationship with those boys and bring them on in the way they want to give them that 
support that mentorship, which it was very clear that Josh was missing when everything went tits up with his business before. Brilliant. Thank you, Cheryl, very, very much for that. Loved all of those comments. Um, How awful is Jade? And Cheryl would like Jazza to get back with Tracy. Now, I was never a fan of Jazza and Tracy, I have to say. But now, please, Get them back together. Let let Jade go. Or or is Jade here to help us? I, I don't know. Develop a new character. Is it going to be like Joy and and Jade ends up being here for good because the actress um, Aisha Antoine, she's a really good actress, and it would be lovely to have her um, in the Archers with a, a really good meaty um, character to play. So I'm torn. Yes, I don't want Nasty Jade around. I'd, so for that reason, let's get Jasmine and Tracy back. But if Jade is here to stay, let's see what develops and hopefully there'll be some fun coming out, out of that. I, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder because it, there seems to be we've got the four episodes a week, two written by one person and two written by the other. And it just seems to jar a bit sometimes that we've just got one day is of these characters. There's no fluidity between the episodes, I'm finding. But I do get a kick out of hearing David Sulk. And uh, as Cheryl says about the comparing and contrasting between Brookfield and, and Home Farm. So, yes, I don't know. Royfield, who's the better one, David or Brian? Oh, dear. In terms of entertainment on the old ears, you have to say <laughs> it, it's definitely Brian. Right. There's always there's always action wherever Brian Aldridge is, is concerned, whether he's walking into the village shop or whether he's uh, introducing his son's idea to his stepson. You know, there's always fireworks. <laughs> whereas, yes, whereas with, with David Archer, you can somewhat slightly fall asleep while, whilst he's um, you know having airtime. Uh, in terms of farming prowess, um, mm. that's a good one, and I don't know. My gut is actually to say it might be David Archer because I think he plays up to our instinctual idea of what a farmer is. His business is of a size that we kind of understand, whereas Brian is, you know, mega dairy. It's agro this and agro that, which means, you know, things are on a, a, it's agricultural, but on a massive scale, Mm. polytunnels Mm. and all this malarkey. Whereas David Archer seems to be a good old fashioned farmer. Yeah, it's traditional. uh, Yeah, 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 that's the word I was searching for. So I witted on for about 30 seconds. You (laughs) crystallized what I was saying into (laughs) one word. Well done you. So I think David, but that's just because I think, you know, He's running a business, but it's not a big business, which we associate with capitalism and raping and pillaging the land. Oh, also, he didn't put a whole load of pollutants and bury yeah. it 30 years ago. Talking about raping and pillaging the land. David Archer's the better farmer. <laughs> that is the conclusion. Fair enough. It was never in doubt. <laughs> right. Uh, did Cheryl say anything else in her call? So, yes, she was talking about Jade. She was comparing and contrasting Brookfield and Home Farm and how David needs to build better relationships with uh, Josh and Ben. Uh, I mean, uh, yes, I agree, but Brian is selective in which members of his family he builds better relationships with. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be so interesting when we see Pip, Josh and Ben 
growing up and wanting to take over the farm and, and how will it all be split? And, and now we've got Rosie as well, Pip's daughter. Incidentally, did you hear that what part Rosie is going to be playing in in the play? I don't uh, know if you caught that, Roy. No. She's going to be playing the part of God. And I thought, oh, is, yes, this, of course. Yeah. is this a scriptwriter's trying to tell us about how things are going to happen, where, where they're placing Rosie in the sort of generations of farms and sort of wanting to take over? And for a child that's having trouble at nursery for hitting other children, it's not a great start. I don't know. The God of the Old Testament was very much like that. He was always, you know, wanting people to be smited. Poor Abraham had to take eyes up, up, up on the hill just to be yes, done but away with. we're New with... Testament now. No, we're New Testament. We're, we're washed saying, clean, all It depends. What play are they doing it again? It's a mystery play. When, yes. Exactly. When's that set? When's that supposed to be? I don't. I know little of this mystery play. Well, as far as I'm aware, the mysteries there are lots of different mysteries, so you can pick and choose which ones you you want to include. But it does sound very much like they're doing the the Jesus mysteries because we've got the disciples, and some are being played by women. I okay. mean, shock horror. Well, well, that's when when they said that um, Rosie was going to be God. I just thought this was just creative casting, which is very much the thing of the moment, you know, with Bridget mm. et al. still ringing in our ears. Well, in our eyes, in the humping that went on there, and and of course, yes, there was a, a Jesus, so it has to be the New Testament. So God is all nice and fluffy in the New Testament. You are completely right. So maybe Rosie's wrong. She shouldn't be cast because, you know, she's a little bit kind of petulant, isn't she? She's yes. Popular, so she's supposed to be. Mm. We'll just have to see what happens. It could all go horribly wrong. Mm. Right. Do, have we talked about Jade much? Cheryl we have not. Uh, yes, she did oh, no, talk about... Did, well, no, you did because you said about the actor being lovely. You're completing yes. the actor with the character. Yes, just to confuse you. Yes, right. sorry yeah. about that. So, so we have Jim um, doesn't like her. Neither does Alistair. Talking about well, her. Okay, let's like, let's stop there. Did Jim set up to hate her? I don't. Okay, no. he wasn't bowled over by her, especially when she used his mug. But he had gone to trouble. He had got flowers in that he arranged with Alistair to have a nice meal. He'd welcomed her into the home. He, I didn't feel that she was warranted in saying he he was. It was a setup. No, it wasn't a setup. Jim was being a perfect host. Yeah, and she read it as snobbery and a way of belittling her. Though he was, um, you know, just being a perfect host. Mm. However, as I kind, well, as I said last week in last week's episode, which I don't even know made the the mini edit, which which I've put out, um, that Cicero mug wasn't there by accident because Cicero not only was he a Roman senator, an orator, he was also a massive snob. So there's a, a meta commentary. Oh, yes. Cicero was all about Roman traditions being upheld and Latin being spoken in a very formal and traditional way. And our understanding of Latin and Latin literature, a lot of it actually comes from Cicero's rules. So the fact that he had a mm. Cicero mug was uh, an allusion to the fact that Jim is a traditionalist. Bordering yes. on snob. Ah, oh, snob. I, uh, he's, no, no, he's... listen, he, he was totally fine in, in, in that uh, whole instance, in that whole scene. However, it was a Cicero mug. 
there are numerous other Latin characters that mm. he could have been a mug of. Cicero was a snob and a traditionalist. He was. Okay. I'll, I'll that, accept that, that. Like, It's like, you know, when they had the music in the background and it always yes. alludes to something in the scene. We're supposed to read something into it. It was a Cicero mug. It was exactly the same thing. Anyway, uh, that's the, the, it's me being a boring fan of um, the late Republic of Rome and its history and uh, giving you a little bit of knowledge. Anyway, now it's Bernadette. She's a big dum-de-dumber, don't you know? Hello, it's Archer's Fan 2015 here, a.k.a. Bernadette Hawks. I'm a virtually retired psychotherapist and a DJ, but I'm not retired from being a DJ. I am worried about Kirsty. Well, you know, she's she's been running around Ambridge and, and environs trying to find the um, the slaves. And now, well, I don't know, she, she seems to have stopped. Anyway, as a virtually retired psych- psychotherapist who practices wild al- analysis on imaginary characters, they let Kirsty go and see Phil the Drill, who's now decided to plead guilty. In my opinion, the relief for Kirsty has plunged her into a typical archer's immediate recovery from the trials of being a slave wife or slaver's wife. To use a technical term, this is called flight into hell. She's still not well or properly recovered. You need to do something about it. Brilliant, Bernadette. Thank you very much for that. Oh, yes. Yeah, so she's a psychotherapist and a DJ. I love that combination. My goodness. And we've got Witherspoon, he's a psychiatrist. So we've we've got all the help we need here. Um, and Bernadette is worried about Kirsty and wants Phil her Philip has pleaded guilty. Uh, there seems to be an instant recovery, but Kirsty is still not well. And yes, I I do feel that Kirsty could be heading for a complete meltdown. I'm a little bit worried that she might actually choose to stay with Philip afterwards. Have you ever watched this? It's an awful TV program. I haven't. I hope you haven't. But Royfield, have you ever watched something called Love After Lockdown? Uh, no. Okay. So this is when someone has been in prison and then comes out to find love. And it's about the experience after which Typically, I'll, I'll give you a clue, it doesn't end well. And I just worry that Kirsty and Philip are going to be featured. Um, I just worry for her so much. What is happening with her? She She's not facing up to it at all. So, yes, yeah, so I'm with Bernadette. But, Royfield, what's your view on Kirsty? Is she coping too well? Remember round about Christmas time, we all said that she was coping too well. The ha- she hadn't seemed to have realised the utter gravity of the situation that she was in and what had actually beholden her. Subsequently through January, I think then we started to see a much more manic Kirsty, mm. And then this kind of trying to find the lads in, in parentheses uh, was just her, her trying to make some kind of amends to the fact that she didn't realise what a, a monster Philip was. And there was definitely some level of, of mania there. This is very obviously a scripted drama. If this was real, yes, she would have a major breakdown, but she'd also absent herself from the village. She wouldn't be in Hambridge, you know, the seat of all of her shame. Um, She does have parents. She'd go back home. She would say, Mm. Mum and Dad, I just need to be away from here because it reminds me of how I was deceived and what an ogre I actually married. I need some headspace as opposed to... Mm. Fanning around with with village plays, she wouldn't be doing that. 
No, you're right. She she would just she would have it with Ambridge with all that's gone on. Just not just with Philip. Uh, I think any normal person would just say that's it. I'm out of here. Yeah, time to move on. She just seems to be, you know, returning to the scene of the crime all the time. Mm. You know, so. But after saying that, though, Love Annabelle Dowler don't want her to leave. You know, I love me some Kirsty, but just really and truthfully, would she be running around the village trying to recruit people? to be part of a mystery play. No, I don't think so. I can understand why Linda's done that. Um, I'm fully on pro-Linda for getting Kirsty involved and doing something that keeps her communicating with people and talking and thinking of something other than what she's been going through. But is that actually, as you say, going to help her longer term? No, it might even make it worse. I don't know. No, I completely agree. You know, Linda trying to get her mind off of chasing after the lads, potentially messing up a police inquiry, um, her obsessing about why she was duped, how she was duped, makes complete sense for Linda. Mm. But for the character of, of Kirsty, you'd be out of Ambridge. You know, you'd, ju- mm. you'd jump on that train at Hollerton Junction and you wouldn't see anybody for dust, you know, yeah. for at least a couple of months, wouldn't you? you or know. forever. You'd just, you'd just go because yeah. there's too many... Bad memories, surely. But but yes, we want Kirsty to stay, but uh, mm. we, she needs to go through the whole process of, of grieving what's happened. True that, true that. Uh, so, so thank you for that, Bernadette Hawkes. Uh, now we're going to have Jane Gage, and she's in Shepherd's Bush, don't you know? Hello, fellow Dumpty Dummers. Jane from Shepherd's Bush calling with some observation from last week's episode. It feels like a lot happened in the week with a number of potential longer storylines opening up. The biggie being the Brian, Rory, Adam blow up, which had many strands to it and has the potential to spin out of control. I remember Roy Finn mentioning some time ago that after Helen and Rob's plot line, the next would be about succession. Brian's rundown of his family board members didn't appear to give any positive indication of a successor, with possibly only Debbie being given any respect by Brian. He didn't even go into Adam's ability, just mentioning death by spreadsheet and referring to the board as an illusion of democracy. We can see that Rory is bright and strong-minded and could potentially be groomed by Brian to succeed him. Rory's character within the Archers seems to be increasingly quite important with a lot of care and continuity by the scriptwriters since his birth to come to this point at 18. All good, interesting stuff. Anyhow, goodbye to next time. Bye. Oh, thanks, Jane. That's great. Yes, uh, uh, a lot happened, actually, when you think about it over the week. And succession is a real long-term issue with uh, Rory's character increasingly important. And and I think succession is a case for all the farms in Ambridge. I know we've already talked about this a little bit, but I just wonder, are we being encouraged to dislike Adam? We had the, the his behaviour with Ian how he handles Brian, um, how he acted at the baby shower. I don't know. I, so I started doing a bit of digging on the actor, Andrew Wincott, just to have a look. If, you know, does he always have that voice? And he doesn't. He he doesn't spend a lot of time working on video games, doing the voiceovers, and he's got a full range there. So are the producers of all that's going on with the Archers, are they asking him to play it deliberately like this? Mm. Well, in terms of the fandom, I'll 
probably say he's the most disliked character, Adam, isn't he? Hmm. Regular well, character. Well, Regular I don't character. know. <laughs> Everyone's got Shula. their own. <laughs> well, that, as, as, a whole, as a whole, you know, Shula gets her the the odd defender. And a couple of weeks back on, on Dumpty Dum, there are a few people saying, "Come on, you know, you're going a bit OTT about Shula here." She did say something. Uh, she she said the correct thing to Kirsty. I cannot yeah. remember anybody ever defending. Adam, when he came back into the Archers, which is mid-noughts, he was actually an exciting character for a time, for another reason than it, he, it was a new voice. But then also he was gay and he somewhat wrestled with coming out and telling his folks. So that made him somewhat of a sympathetic and compelling character for, mm. for a time. Mm. Though we've never heard any on-air chemistry with Ian. <laughs> I never understood the relationship with Charlie, not to say that Charlie wasn't sexy, attractive, and and so on. You know, everybody tells me, oh, you know, when Charlie came on mic, you know, it was like, oh, devastation. You know, people were quaking. <laughs> I, I never had that. But, <laughs> but, but what I definitely didn't ever hear and understand was the chemistry between them pair. Mm-hmm. Then there was the, the, the fumble in the polytunnel. Um, so we've all got, you know, a bit of beef with Adam, haven't we? You know, pun intended, considering this is a, a farming docudrama. <laughs> we just go, hmm. His relationship with Lillian is always a good one. His auntie Lillian. Yeah. And there was a time, it was when Matt... He came to Lillian's defence with Matt and threatened Yes, that's true. Other than that, you know, what has he ever done for us, the listener? Well, I suppose in a way he allows the balance between some of the other livelier characters. So if everybody was like Kate, I think we would all be a bit sort of wide-eyed and over-caffeinated. So he does allow that, but I, I just go back to this thing that, they're allowing him to play it this way. It's not that that is the only role or the only mode he, the actor can play. So there's got to be some deliberation about it. So I don't know, maybe, well, what is it? Is he heading for a breakdown? Um, I don't know. They've replaced some of the other actors. So if they weren't happy with it, they, they would have changed it. So I don't know. There's, there's something a brewing, I think. Mm. Um, just as a quick note, uh, yesterday we did Film Club and we discussed the 40-year-old version. It's a great film on Netflix, a lovely gentle comedy and satire on um, black creatives in, in New York. And I'm not really selling this at all. It's great. It's a story of a, a woman who's approaching her 40th birthday and her having somewhat of a a professional and creative crisis. That's a better way of selling it. And uh, Jane Gage, uh, Jane from Shepherds Bush, was on there and she looked like an actor from The Archers. Do you remember when they started doing the monologues and we had those photographs of them with like rails of clothes behind them, you know, to deaden the yes. sound? That was yeah. exactly Jane yesterday, crouched <laughs> in the co- in the corner of a room on Zoom with uh, with a, a rather natty collection of clothing behind her. And I says, oh, are you an actor from The Archers? And whatever. So, but anyway, folks, um, <laughs> Film Club is a lot of fun. Uh, it's on the Flick app. If you want to uh, join us uh, next month, 
Uh, you are most welcome. Now it's Mia. She's up north in Newcastle. Hello, Royfield and all Dumpty Dum peeps worldwide. This is Mia up in Newcastle land here. Hope everyone's doing okay. I have a plot prediction. It's a bit random, but there you go. I think that Kirsty will get a bit cosy with Natasha. I think she'll probably invite her over for a drink or something, just to chat through their escapade on the streets looking for the fellas. And Kirsty will say how she's so done with men can't be doing with them anymore and she might get a little bit upset and sobby and Natasha might give her a bit of comfort <laughs> I think they're going to have a snog I think just a snog but I think it might throw Kirsty into a bit of a tailspin and Natasha well she'll just write it off and go oh well there you go Tom's tried it why not there you go nothing as salacious <laughs> as threesomes I'm not going down there just I think something like that would be a bit spicy for Kirsty and give her a, a bit more breadth to her love life anyway that's all look after yourselves stay safe everybody and be well bye Oh, Mia, great, great prediction. Kirsty and Natasha having a snog. Oh, well, I think Mia's great. I'm starting a Mia fan club. She's awesome. Um, I love this prediction. Who knows what the script writers will come up, up with? They seem to dangle these interesting storylines about, I don't know, about Rex as well and the, the council application. Is he actually going to press send in time? And Mia turning vegan and Susan saying, oh, you must be devastated. I don't know. There's all just these little storylines that, that could go anywhere. And I think this one about Kirsty and Natasha is fantastic. Royfield, what do you think? Will Kirsty and Natasha have a pash? You know what, though? I'm just going to out myself as a rather stereotypical heterosexual male. Bring it on. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, everybody. Uh, but like, yeah. <laughs> right, fair enough. <laughs> Well, that was a very detailed response. <laughs> that came from, from the heart, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, now it's our last caller in, and it's Lulam. Hey, Dumpty-Dum, it's Lulam. I'm calling in this week um, to discuss the big issue with Chris and Alice, uh, not the secrecy um, surrounding Alice's rehab, uh, not the fact that she's so obviously going to relapse after she's had the baby, uh, what with her obsession with being the perfect mother, um, which we all know doesn't exist. It's the fact that Chris um, was thinking of calling the baby Martha Carter. I mean... <laughs> What's going on there? It's ridiculous. Um, I know it's difficult naming a baby. I'm sure old dumpty dum parents have been there with the dumpty diddlers. I was very sold on the name Polly when I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, my partner quite sensibly persuaded me not to, on the grounds that her life would be made hell by people saying things like, Polly, put the kettle on. <laughs> so hopefully Alice uh, will manage to put her foot down and they'll choose a much more sensible name, uh, perhaps Peggy. Um, that might be due a comeback. I don't know what you think about that, dum dum Anyway, really um, enjoying the archers at the moment. So good to have scenes uh, with more than three people and enjoying your good work as ever. Take care, dum dum Catch up soon. Bye. 
Oh, great. Thanks, Lula. So, uh, yes, Chris wants to call the baby Martha Carter. And what, what other name? Peggy? What would Alice call her baby? And yes, thank you so much for this. This really got me thinking. Now, apologies, this is in bad humour. I'll start. But I was having a little think about what Alice could call her baby. Royfield, are you ready for this? <laughs> so I was thinking maybe Tia, as in Tia Maria, or Mal, as in Malibu, or T. As in tequila? <laughs> what do you think, Royfield? You, you're obviously riffing here. You should you should keep going. <laughs> I, I, all stunning suggestions, which would uh, end in utter misery. So I, I I think your lack of sensitivity for poor Alice's plight is is writ large here. But what I would say though, which I thought was utterly lovely last week, was uh, the Peggy and Chris show them working in tandem uh, to get. Uh, mm. you know, Adam and Kate out of Alice's, you know, with alcohol being there and them having a good time. So <laughs> I, I thought that was was quite touching. And for all those people that say Peggy is an utter ogre, I just say, no, she's a three-dimensional character. She came to the rescue, even though she did question Chris mm. um, as to his, his methods, she understood the reason why he did it. And as she says, the baby needs to come first. Mm. Yes. Although I just wish she hadn't said that she'd fallen because now they're going to be watching her all the time. Mm. I'd rather she said something had happened to Hilda or I, I don't know. It's just she's going to regret that. Uh, maybe they call they can call the baby Dram, <laughs> Dram Buey, or you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we could go on. This could be a whole thing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, I'm just wondering. Yes, that, yeah. that is that is the end of the quarter interest, and um, we don't have any he mails with an H. So um, slapped wrists to everybody in Dumbly Dumb Land. Um, because I know that some of you are like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't bear the sound in my own voice, or and or I can't get the technology to work. So you've got this uh, backup facility, uh, which is uh, an email, and quite simply, if you want to go and send us an email, you go into dumptydum.com and you click on contact us, and then you scribble something out, and uh, you hit send, and it comes into me inbox, and then someone will, will read that out. So. You've got no excuses for next week. Let's have an email or two. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And now, it's going to be Social Media Roundup. Oh, so you don't want the wrap. I'll, I'll rip it up. That's very sad. Oh, do you really have a wrap? Of course I do. I said, oh, I right. threatened oh. that if people don't email in, there's going to be another <laughs> painful, awful, gut-wrenching oh, wrap. And it's so oh. bad this time, people will be... E- you're going to oh. have like thousands of emails. Folks, folks. All right. Sandra, hold fire. <laughs> right. It's now wrap time. So uh, I know everybody's thinking the date is 2021. <laughs> when when our Philippa Rats we go back to 1981, the way that she spits on her bars. So uh, after you, uh, middle class, middle aged woman, the four by four. Well, if people don't email in, this is going to happen. So anyway, the Archers rap number two. David's still sighing and Kirst is still crying, so life in Ambridge remains exceptionally trying. Jim's sad because of Jade, of more pasta we're afraid, and who knows how Adam's electricity bill got paid. Then we had the baby shower by the champagne bottle Alice Coward, and Peggy's emergency texting left a feeling that was sour. The secrets of Darrington, Eddie will sell, as Linda's spy, which is very keen to tell, but the dum-de-dum community sadly know it won't end well, wagga wagga wagga. End. <laughs> wagga wagga wagga. That actually wasn't bad towards the end. And you need to watch the forty-year-old version. She starts rapping. This. Oh, yes, as good she as me. The, the quality of well, that I am dishing out here. Without <laughs> wanting to uh, really spoil this for people, but she kills it in the studio. Not so much live. That's all I'm going to say. But. Oh. Uh, mm, but you will appreciate because you also she also talks about the fact she used to rap when she was at high school, just like you. There we go. You see, I have so much in common. You see, I'm just this is it. I could I could restart my career. In fact, the calls I've had from agents since since the last time I was on Dundee Dum, you wouldn't believe it. You know, I wouldn't actually. I wouldn't. Now, Sandra, I gave you a full start before, but now is your time, Sandra. Social Media Roundup. Hello, this is Sandra, accompanied by Honey the Cat, with the Social Media Roundup for the week beginning Monday the 1st of March. There do seem to have been some food-related storylines last week. There was some amusement over Susan commiserating with Eddie over Mia's offer to cook for the family. Eddie's comment that the lasagna would come with a secret ingredient of despair also provided for some amusement. There were jokes about Ian's cooking of peasant food and his take on Irish stew. As far as some people are concerned, stew is stew. Alistair's choice of snack was a source of hilarity. Was it Monster Munch? Does anyone actually care? Of course, the biggest food-related story of the week centred around dinner at Greenacres. 
I put up a poll on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group asking opinions on Jade's behaviour at the dinner. Not one person was Team Jade, but Team Jim got 157 votes. In general, listeners thought that Jade's behaviour was very rude. Some suggested that she might be uncomfortable with the situation and feeling intimidated. I'm not so sure about that. Some listeners did think that Jim was being snobbish in his attitude to Jade. However, one listener said that he wouldn't have been as restrained as Jim and Alistair if a guest had been rude and said they were just having a laugh. Some were surprised that Jazza took Jade's side rather than defending Jim. A lot of listeners think that Tracy is the obvious choice for Jazza. We can but wait and see. One comment was, please, please, Tracy, swoop down and save Jazza from this dreadful woman. There has been some discussion around Adam finding the money to pay the electrician's bill for rewiring. I found his response rather cagey. Um, There does seem to be some confusion about why the pair of them seem to be so hard up. One suggestion of where the money came from was that it was borrowed from the farm accounts. Well, time will tell about that. The storyline led to a discussion on one group about how people divide their own household finances. We finished the week with a dreadful baby shower. One listener commented that if Adam and Kate had turned up on his doorstep, he would have phoned the Jehovah's Witnesses as as an emergency service. Alice was in a panic when Kate and Adam did turn up for the unplanned baby shower. It was suggested that maybe Alice hasn't conquered her addiction, as Chris would like to believe. Not everyone believed that she had poured the remaining champagne down the sink. There were also comments about Peggy and her conversation with Chris. It was the suggestion that the baby comes first that made some listeners speculate on the future health of the baby. Well, that's me finished for this week. But goodbye and take care. Sandra, Sandra, Sandra. Thank you for that, my dear. Now, um, Philippa Hall, normally at this point in proceedings, we have tweets of the week, but I believe you like to rip rip up conventions, don't you? You say to hell with the norms, I'm going to riff and do my own thing. So why don't we continue in that fashion? Yes, I do. And it's guess the title again. And we're getting some fans, social media. We're getting some fans for this, Roy Field. So just as I thought, do I carry on? Yes, yes, I do. You mean you have a fan? It was in the singular. It was not thought. No, there were thousands. Again, it's like all the agents phoning up. Honestly, it's unbelievable. Anyway, (laughs) you've got three headlines. You've got three newspapers to choose from. Mm -hmm. You've got the Daily Mail, the Independent Mm -hmm. and the Telegraph. Okay. So first headline. Mm-hmm. The archers tricked 1950s farmers into modern methods. The next hey. headline. Okay, yeah. Um, the farm that inspired the archers gives fans chance to invest in its future. Mm-hmm. And then finally, 60 things you never knew you wanted to know about the archers. That's the independent. The last one's the independent. Very good. Very right. good. That's so the independent. 
So give me the first one again. So the first one was the archers tricked 1950s farmers into modern Daily methods. Mail. Daily Mail. Boom. Got uh-uh. it. Telegraph. Oh, I was so confident. <laughs> so there we go. So the farm that inspired the archers gives fans chance to invest in its future is the Daily Mail. Yes, yeah, sorry. So you got one out of three this oh, no, week. Oh, no, no, well, the year, but I just, oh, what No, one no, out of three. No, I got one it. out of three because I got the, because I got the one right and they got the other two the wrong way. Around. You were just thrown by my incredible rap technique that you just, you lost for words now. No, I was thrown because it sounded like a Daily Mail headline. That's what threw me, <laughs> you know, about being tricked and, you know, subterfuge and, and whatever. That sounded so <laughs> Daily Mail, not Telegraph. But hey, hum, folks, why don't you join our merry band of Dum Dummers by going on to dumdydum.com. You join Tractor, which is our social media platform for fans of Dum Dum and the Archers. It's all about location. So uh, you go on there, uh, you tell us who's your favourite character when you started listening to The Archers, where you are, which town, village, etc., where around the world, and then you'll see the map unfurl in front of you. And then you can then contact other Dumdy Dummers that live close by, and you can have a socially distanced coffee, walk with your pooches, or whatever you want to do. It's all available on Tractor. Also, you can comment on previous and past shows um one way you can support this podcast is going on to apple itunes and writing us a review and uh, it's incredibly important if you go on to apple itunes or a podcatcher of your choice and write us a review we will read out these those people that have written us uh, a review in a forthcoming episode of dum dum to thank you uh, another fantastic way of supporting us is by going on to patreon.com and for the, I think, really quite reasonable price of $2 per episode, you can support this podcast. So uh, why don't you go on to patreon.com and you become a Patreon of this website. Remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via speakerpipe on the website. Twitter is where uh, Dum Dum was started. And um, if you're on Twitter, why don't you just type in Dum Dum and uh, you get dum dum on Twitter. Uh, how can people follow you on Twitter? Oh, yes, please. They can find me at QuickBook Reviews. But of course, just to be different, it's a three instead of a W. There's a thing called Facebook. You're, you're big on Facebook, aren't you? Well, I just, I love Facebook. I love Instagram. Did you know, sorry, just while we're on this, Instagram, Ben, the Ben who plays Ben, um, is looking for a new flatmate. So there you go. The things you discover on Instagram, very reasonable rates as well. Ooh, where's where's he live? Isn't it, isn't it Nottingham? Oh no, you see, <laughs> that's the only fact that I don't know. I presumed it was in London, in the Seven Sisters area. Oh, five hundred and eighty-eight pounds a month. That is very London, Seven Sisters. Yes. There we go. Mm. Well, you heard it here, not first, because if you're on Instagram, you'd have heard it there first. But if um, if you're not on Instagram. You heard it here second. <laughs> or no, you would have heard it here first if you're not on Instagram because you wouldn't have heard it because you're not on Instagram. <laughs> but sorry, we were talking about Facebook, the wonders of Facebook and yes. the Dum Dum community. Well, tell you what, folks, if you want to join the thousand plus Dum Dummers on Facebook, why don't you go on to Facebook and join the thousand Dum Dummers on Facebook? It's as simple as that, really. They're having a right royal old time and, and, 
Lisa de Brule won the 70th anniversary script. And she, wow. got it. she got it in the post from Ian Pepperell, a.k.a. Roy Tucker. And um, we've got a picture of it. There's a picture. I of saw the, the picture, but I didn't realise she'd already received it. Fantastic. Well done. Yes. Yeah, she sent me a picture of it. She says, I'm proper made up and excited. I will treasure it. I will keep it somewhere safe. Also, have to say, we've had um, a couple of big donations to the charity, to Unseen, in the last Great. week. Somebody did 250 quid. Somebody's wow. done 100 quid. So thank you to those people who are still donating to Unseen. We haven't mentioned it recently, um, but, you know, the, the campaign still is there. If you've got a spare couple of quid or dollars or fennigs, oh, no, that uh, fennigs are well and truly done with, zlotties, rubles, um, whatevers, why don't you contribute uh, to Unseen via our Just Giving page? Go into Just Giving and uh, type in um, Unseen, go to our page, and let's try and uh, help stamp out modern slavery, economic coercion, because it's not a good thing. Right, you, Mush, music. Now, I'm not going to give you carte blanche of whatever you say I'm going to play, but I'm going to allow you to suggest something, because musically you're a bit suspect. So... (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. So... What you got? What's in your locker? Oh, what about a PM Dawn song? Do you, do you know there's a whole world of music since the early 90s? <laughs> I don't get to listen to it. <laughs> Apart from the musical score of Hamilton, which I get to listen to every day in the car, taking the kids to school. But uh, yeah, no, come on. What about some PM Dawn? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, that was that song uh, with the I know this much is true, da, 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 Spandau Ballet. That, when they did that song with that um, in the background, quite nice. But no. Oh, Think reality again. used to be a friend of mine. Did it? Yeah. Think again. Second bite <sighs> of the cherry. Or I'll just unilaterally put on something which has uh, much more depth and longevity as a, as a slice of music. No, that's it. I'm refusing now. If you won't use my first choice, then then the only place I can go to is Hamilton, which has some amazing songs in. Aye, aye, aye. Right. All right, folks. Underneath me right now is a piece of music, which is utterly stunning. Now, as always, Philippa Hall, Miss Middle England has let us down with a somewhat vanilla choice of music. So judgmental. But I, but here we go, folks. Um, I've been into my brilliant friend, the amazing series uh, on TV, which has come out of uh, the books of the same name. There's a piece of music which utterly, utterly captivated me. There's a beautiful scene towards the end of the second season. And it's called uh, Vivere Ancora. And it's by Gino Paoli, who I'd never heard of this mucker, but by all accounts, he's a beloved singer of all Italians. So, Gino Paoli, I give you Vivere Ancora. There you go. Much better bloody PM Dawn. Oh, God. Averti fra le braccia 
e fa sparire per sempre dal tuo viso ogni incertezza che ti tormenta ancora vivere ancora soltanto per un'ora e per un'ora vedere sul tuo viso tutto l'amore che ti ho saputo dare la mia vita che ora è solo tua e puoi restare vicini ad occhi aperti ad aspettare che dalla finestra giunga la luce Poter vedere in una stanza buia Con gli occhi chiusi quello che vogliamo Poter sentire vicino alla mia mano I tuoi capelli sempre il mio destino è diventato tuo è diventato tuo è diventato tuo Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 